Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Left of Greg podcast. I am Brian Marin, the host and creator of the show. As always, I will be joined by human behavior expert, Mr. Greg Williams, who the show is affectionately named after. Here on the Left of Greg show, our goal is to increase your advanced critical thinking ability through a better understanding of what we call human behavior, pattern recognition, and analysis. If you'd like to find out more about what that is, you can check out our website at arcadiacognorati.com or by following us on Facebook at HBPRA. Please help support the show by checking out our Patreon site where for just a few dollars you can have access to all kinds of episode extras, videos, and short tutorials that are updated weekly. Just click the link in the episode details that says support the show and we'll take you directly to that site. If you have any questions or would like us to cover a specific topic, please reach out to us at leftofgreg at gmail.com. On today's episode, we are joined by longtime friend of the show, Scotty Witt. Scotty is an award-winning entertainment practitioner and educator with a stage, television, and film career spanning over 30 years. Scotty joins us again from Australia to talk about incongruent behavior, impulse versus instinct, and imaginary circumstances. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, we'll just go ahead and get started here. <laughs> Scotty Witt, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, everyone listening, Scotty's been on before. Uh, he had actually a really popular episode in, uh, for, for us. Uh, Scotty is calling in and he's on video all the way from down in Australia. So we appreciate you getting up. It's early morning for you. It's about midday for us uh, and hopping on here and coming on again, man. We really appreciate that. From from what I'm hearing, Scotty, your your episode would have rated much higher had it not been for Brian and I being mm-hmm. on that episode. Probably. I that, think that's what it that was. That was what brought the numbers down, I heard. <laughs> so 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 we we appreciate you uh you coming on here, man. Uh so the 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 topic of the day, and if folks don't know, Scotty's got a big stage acting, clowning background, does uh studied here in the US, runs courses. Um, all kinds of cool background. I'll, I'll put that up in the episode details that, that you read and give a little intro. But uh, and if you really want to dive deeper, also hey, to t- check out the episode we did with you earlier, I'll post a link directly to that. I don't remember which number it was, but uh, you can always go back and listen to that one. So uh, we're going to kind of start off uh, talking about something we've talked about on the, the podcast before, which is uh, incongruence, right? So incongruence and in behavior. And that's one of the things that we always try to look for, you know, when we're finding quote unquote bad guys or looking for anomalous behavior, right? You look at, uh, do the words coming out of my mouth match up with what my body's doing? Does it fit the situation? Does it fit a number of different patterns? Because if I find incongruence that, that, you know, it'll look odd to me, or I I might be able to pick that up. And I think from your perspective, you know, and and I'll let you here in a couple minutes kind of go over that, but very similar to different types of acting and different skills and how we see a, uh, a person on stage or on screen and maybe something doesn't fit. That's our brain kind of picking up on incongruence. But I'd love to start with Greg. Why don't you kind of go over kind of your definition of what you would describe it as and articulate it, and then we'll pass it off to Scotty if that works for you guys. Yeah. yeah so right. uh, welcome, Scotty. It's great to see you again. Never fight a clown. Um, Marin, sometimes when we think about incongruence, I wrote myself a couple of notes, which I won't be able to read here uh, anyway. But uh, I, I think what it is, uh, many times our, our readers, listeners have to understand, the brain doesn't like being distracted. So anytime that the brain uh, is attending to a skill, and another skill comes up, then the brain has to bifurcate and spread load some of the information coming or going to that uh, uh, other, you know, external arousal source. So 
absolutely every one of our listeners or our, our viewers has had the experience where they're talking to somebody that's on a cell phone, but they don't know the other person's on the cell phone and the other person's not telling them they're on the cell phone. And as you're driving along, you're hearing the person and you're engaging in sort of a non-versation where that person's kind of answering questions and they're delayed. And then finally you go, hey, what the hell is going on? Oh, yeah, I'm on the phone. Yeah, well, guess what? You're doing the conversation with me poorly because 50% of your attention is going to whatever you're doing. You're driving, folding your laundry on the you know phone with somebody else. So when the brain is distracted, what, what happens is uh, you, you, you have a situation where you can't focus completely on the act at hand. And then things like mission focus or predatory looks come in. And now what's happening is your brain is wandering to these explanatory storylines, whether it wants to or not. And then anybody looking at you wants to go over and tap you on the head and go, you're not in the, you're not in the groove. What's going on here? And, and I, I think that inattention uh, uh, is, is what we perceive when we see a person being out of sorts, when they're you know, they've gone internal, for example. That's another way of thinking of it. So there's a panacea. There's a spectrum of different things. But almost all of them will be read as incongruent signals. Here's what I expect to see against the baseline, and I'm not seeing that. And that's because that person's a step behind. They're mentally focused so much on external factors that they can't stay in that groove or get into that groove. And that's why it sticks out like a neon glow stick because, you know, the, the, the same reason that we don't like robots we, we take a look at something and when we can't mimic the facial expressions or do the mirror neurons, it feels creepy. Well, it's the same thing when we see a person that's not mimicking the behavior that we, we think that we should be seeing, it feels disjointed and creepy and it stands out. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a couple of good analogies there. I think we've all had the cell phone one or someone's talking on the phone. You're going, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, sorry, I'm not paying attention. So it does come down to attention. And then uh, the other one, I, I, I like you, I just wrote that down, was uh, mentally a step behind, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. they're so, so if they give it like a criminal example, maybe I'm so mission focused on what my target is that I'm a step behind in the, in the situation that I'm in right there. So you look at like the Sarnia brothers on the Boston uh, Marathon bombing, right? They're so focused in on where they have to go and what they have to do and at the finish line and where the bomb is going that people are likely bumping into them and they're exactly. not seeing it, right? Because they're so focused. So I, I, I like those two things. And, and I think that, uh, Scott, I would love to get it kind of, you don't have to use the word incongruence, but whatever your take on that would be when it comes to everything that you do with clowning and acting. And when we see that and, and, you know, we, as a viewer or someone in the experience goes, yeah, that didn't, that didn't do it for me. Right. Or, or that, that didn't work. For it me. wasn't believable. It wasn't yeah, believable yeah. because, yeah. because that stuff, you know, people forget too. And this is why we love having you on here is how much training goes into pulling off uh, uh, any type of acting, uh, let alone like, you know, doing actual physical comedy or something. Right. There's a lot that goes into that. Cause you, you got to fool, you got to fool someone's brain. Right. So, so I would love to kind of hear that from your perspective. It's interesting where my brain, when it might, it might be just because Brian and I are going through the homeschooling thing, but it's interesting watching um, my kid at the moment. You can tell when they're not focused, and it's interesting watching that kid's face and all the, all the stuff that's happening on the face tells you that they're not present. And I, my instinct is that that's the same when they become an adult. I don't think those little, those little tiny little facial things, they're still there, I think. Um, that was just some immediate response to what Greg was talking about, is just thinking about 
you can tell when your kid's not there. Mm-hmm. You just you're just not here. You're not you're not in the room, or you're you're thinking about something else, which is great when they're a kid. But when you're an, you know when you're an adult, <laughs> working on the floor, you know trying to do a scene or trying to do you know a bit of teaching or whatever, it's a, it's a different thing. But I feel like the same cues are there. You know that that kid part comes out where you just go, I can tell you're just not in the game. That's one part of it, and then the other response to it is in terms of just picking up on what you said, Brian, about trying to fool people or I think what comes into our world as well is that there are so many different styles of acting and there's so many different genres that not only have you got to be in the game, but you've also got to be in the style of the game you're playing. So I imagine just thinking, I mean, I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about the Boston bomber, but, if if that person's meant to be a little bit cleverer, they're going to blend into the environment differently if they're on a subway than if they're in a open walkway, so that they're not as uh, visible. So in terms of theatre and acting and stuff, not only have you got to trick people and be be um, not incongruent, you've also got to fit into the style of the piece that you're working in. There's no point being in a like an action Marvel movie, but you're doing a film noir style of you know what I mean? Like it's just right. another level of not being in the game. That's one part of it. And then I, the other extra bit that I started going to in my head is about the difference between being selfless and selfish. Right. And what I mean by that is that, you know, there are some selfish actors and there are selfless actors. So you generally, a good code of behavior is to be there for others. So once you start seeing people drift into that, I'm here for me thing, they're not there for you. So that's another thing to look for in terms of whether someone's actually present or not. You know, they're kind of going into themselves. So they're kind of going down and into you, some of your language, rather than sort of up and out. It's, it's a combination of both, but it's very easy for an actor to get so kind of caught up in their own little right. kind of thing. Yeah. And they're just not seeing all the other cues and clues that are going on in the room. Anyway, that's some just immediate responses to kind of get no, I, I and you, table. you 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 brought up I, before you go any further. You brought up a couple really interesting points because one, you talk about you know like the homeschooling with your kids and kids aren't present or you can tell you can read it the facial features and how they act like you, it's you know kid. That's why we always tell if you're trying to read you know and understand body language. One, if you can look in the mirror, so yourself. But like kids are great because it's. Um, they're slower at it, right? It's more obvious, right? So you talk about facial features immediately. Like I get like a pain response from something that is nothing, not a big deal. It's like, Hey, we're going to, we're not leaving for another 10 minutes. What? And you're like, okay, that's you're you're seven. So you're having an overly emotional reaction. Now an adult's going to have the same reaction, but it's going to be a lot more subtle, right? Because especially when it comes to things like deception or fitting in, like I can't be as demonstrative as a child because that wouldn't fit the baseline, right? That would be, that would be uh, uh, strange or abnormal. Way above it. Yeah. Way above it. Uh, yeah. uh, around other adults at, you know, it, 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 once you reach that age and understand that. So, so when you're reading on kids, it's great uh, because it's good to, to learn and practice. And then uh, those, those, all of those reactions get more subtle over time. And the other thing that you said, a uh, uh, great point about the, the acting part. So, so, let's point the criminal versus the actor, right? The criminal is there for what they have to do. They don't care about anyone else in the scene and they only care about their mission. 
But like you just said, a good actor is what they have to know what they have to do with, you know, inside this entire scene that's going on. Right. So, so meaning it's not just about their lines or their actions. It's, it's setting up everyone else in that scene for success. So they're not just, like you said, not just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about everyone else around them where, where that would be a very, uh, for a criminal to have to do that. That's a very high level of organization. Um, and typically they're just more so focused on what their mission is at hand, what they have to accomplish, unless they really have to blend in for a long time over a period of time, right? Long then they have to take, then they have to take into account everyone else's actions around them. I don't know. That was just initial thoughts, Greg. I know you were probably. Yeah, no, no. So, so, uh, uh, there's a difference between acting and undercover, but it's a very fine line. So I, I'd mm -hmm. like to double back to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, all of us being Aikidoists and, uh, Aikijutsuists. Uh, uh, I can tell you that I've been hurt more in doing a drill with a fellow black belt than ever during free sparring. Never been hurt by a white, yellow, or orange belt. I predicted all those things that were going to happen. But you're out there with a black belt, and because they've done the skill a thousand times, their mind is wandering, and they're so dangerous. Free sparring is fine because you're, it's, a, it's a game of wits. It's like a, a chess match before you ever draw the sword. And, and I think the same thing that our listeners have to understand is true in acting. Uh, uh, you miss your mark in martial arts and you might get squashed. You miss your mark in acting and you'll either be unbelievable or you'll miss your mark and you'll throw off the whole game. And there's only so much film and cut, you know, rewind, okay, speed going back. Uh, uh, so uh, there's consequences to a bad guy for being found out early, you see? So, so the consequences of, of, of the actions uh, uh, really kind of stick out in my mind. And I, I think that's uh, 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 a very different aspect that people don't think. So a bad guy going down and in and going internal and so focused on their mission is going to make simple mistakes. And I remember uh, many times you'd go to a bank robbery and the person would have written the, the bank robbery note, you know, hey, I have a gun, don't move, on their own deposit slip. And you show up at their house and you arrest them, you know, and they're like, well, how did you catch me? Yeah, okay, got it. Or, or the people that after a robbery were so successful and happy with the robbery that they pulled their disguise off and threw it off at the scene as they were running out past the cameras. And you go, well, how could somebody do this? Well, it's very simple. It's a function of focus. And you've only been given a channel capacity for stress or non-stress situations. Now, when you're mimicking the motion as being undercover and, and then you go in there, let's say that you're completely dressed in, in the norm of whatever everybody else is uh, doing and you fit the baseline. But then out of your mouth, you know, you walk up to the, the dudes in the car and you go, you know, you're sitting there looking sly and you walk up and you go, perchance, could I purchase some cocaine hydrochloride in a, you know, 28 gram fashion, you know, right away, you're going to stick out like that sore glow stick again. So the idea is to be real not realistic and believable, you know, not incongruent. Does that make sense, Scotty, where I'm going with that? Yeah, that, that bit's the same. You know, it's, it's about giving over to imaginary circumstances, you know, and playing within that world. You know, that's a general rule of thumb, you know. And some, some actors make that leap better. Some stay in their heads. Some work from their bodies. It's, it's, it's all quite different, you know, and, and no particular process is, is better than any other. Right. Um, but the bigger they can make that leap to the imaginary circumstances, then, then they're giving over to that kind of world. And that's why it's not, you're not lying as such. You're, you know, you're taking that imaginative 
leap. You know? So can you, yeah. Can you kind of define that a little bit further? Cause I like where you're going with this, what you mean by like imaginary circumstances. Uh, you know, just to, um, make it, um, generic, you know, for the audience, if they're not aware of, you know, being an actor, you're, you're essentially, you you know, you'll read the play or the, the script, the film script or whatever. And there'll be a set of what we would call circumstances, which are that it's, it's cold, it's snowy. Like there's a whole bunch of given circumstances that before the text even gets going. And so you might be cold, you've had uh, an emotional breakdown in the scene before. So you've got all these given circumstances. So you need to give over to that before you kind of get into the scene. And then on top of that, you obviously don't want to go too far because then a bit like what Greg was talking about, then now you're acting. And, and, and it's uh, obvious. I know right, it's incongruent, right. but you don't want to be acting. You just want to be in those given circumstances, you know. And, and Marin, what, what, what I'm seeing, uh, look at the difference, uh, Brian. And by the way, I'm on a page of notes, Scotty, you bastard. Every time you're a guest on here, I, I do a lot of writing. Uh, so when he was talking about the imaginary circumstances, Brian, what I wrote down is explanatory storylines. And then I think about yeah. not only our use of explanatory storylines, but then right back to the martial arts analogy, a kata. So a kata is a sequence of moves that are measured out against imaginary opponents so you can perfect your skill. So that's not unlike what Scotty was telling us. And then, Scotty, we use the term explanatory storylines where you think, sort of like John Boyd's OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, neck. What you do is you think what most likely could happen next, and then you determine the spirals that might occur and in there might be a most dangerous course of action, right? So, so I think that's what you're saying is that you, you want to give yourself this set of circumstances to create this imaginary environment within which you're going to play. And therefore, there's congruent signals, signals that would happen likely in that environment, and the incongruent, the, the, the unimaginable, and those yeah. are the ones I think that'll stick out. Yeah, and a good director, the, the image that I always use is you just need to be really clear about what the playground is what are the boundaries of the, and it's no different to playing with a kid, but they just need to set really clear boundaries on the style and the imagined world that you're creating. And then creative people will, will start playing within that playground because they know, well, there's, there's a swing, there's a roundabout, there's a slippery slide. And those are the things we're playing with. Like, there's nothing else in this particular playground. And then when, you know, that's my response to that bit anyway. <clears throat> and yeah. it's interesting. And I know I flagged this when we were, throwing the email stuff backwards and forwards about where where improvisation comes into this is you know then one when things start going wrong on stage if they're successfully in that imagined world then they can improvise a little clearer because they've created a really strong bedrock of that imagined world exactly so, usually you can tell when people are going off the rails because they haven't really subscribed to what those imagined circumstances are and then when things go a little bit haywire, you, 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 can, you can see the fear coming in and, and all, their, all their talismans come out because they're... <laughs> that's it. That's it. Because they're, they're freaking out. That's an inside out joke, but have, that's so true. That's so yeah, true. Yeah, but they haven't, they haven't uh, really either... They either haven't done their homework or they haven't subscribed really clearly to the world. So then when things go haywire, all the incongruent stuff comes out because they've come head on up to the unexpected, which is shit's going to happen. Yep. And if you're not ready for that, you, you, you're going to be in trouble. You Brian, can I throw, Greg, sorry, buddy. No, no, Brian, can I c compare two things to, to Scotty that are completely off, off 
uh, on topic, but off of, of his normal set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, I think, yeah, it, I, it, I want to see where you take because I got a couple of things too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but in the U.S., in the last two weeks, Scotty, uh, two uh, police officers were killed in the line of duty deploying stop sticks in vehicle at vehicles that were fleeing from other crimes. Okay, and uh, what happened is that because they didn't create explanatory storylines for what could spiral out of the situation. Their training led them, and again, remember, not only were they in the moment, they had the training, the catecholamine group is kicking, their electrochemical neurotransmitters are amped up, and they're going, hey, I'm, I'm a copper, I want to stop this bad guy so he doesn't hurt anybody. Everything that they were doing was noble, and, and the sticks performed as they were designed. But, but think about what happened here, is the logic, the suspension of belief failed because now this copper is in front of a speeding vehicle, just like being in front of a speeding bullet, deploying the stop sticks and they get run over. And then both public information officers at two different agencies said the same thing. Who would have thunk that a person fleeing from a crime would have actually driven over an officer? And, and my thing is, how would you not have assumed that? Hmm. Because it, everything that led up to that was demonstrating that this person is not a rule follower. They're not going to listen to the rules. They're not going to follow the rules. Hell, you've got to use sticks to disable their 85 mile an hour vehicle or whatever and then people are killed. So I think that imagination that you're talking about is so real that sometimes it can give you a, a tunnel vision. Sometimes okay. it can be but like blinders on a horse and you miss those cues that your environment or another actor perhaps right. is giving you. And that gets back to the denial episode and the oh, denial yeah. stuff you've talked about. You know, what, the denial process chews up so much of the hard drive and gets in the way of we just need to move forward. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, there's no point saying we drop a line or the sword's falling apart. Like, we just need to get on with it. And if you're not trained, this is where the training changes behavior quote you guys keep saying, you know, unless you're trained for when stuff goes wrong, right? you're not, you're not going to be in the now. You're going to be so hyper-focused on this is not happening. This is actually not happening. This is not happening. And already two minutes has gone past. And that's a long time in anybody's language. I, I would yeah. think improvisation means advanced critical thinking, Scotty. Mm. That's what it would mean in my world is that your ability to improv isn't just sticking your finger in a dike to stop a hole. What you're doing is saying, now this hole exists in the universe. How do I talk it in? How do I read it into the environment so it's believable to the folks? Or I have to yell cut and reboot. And life doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to yell cut and, and rewind the tape. Mm. And I think it, that's where the... Sorry, Brian. Cut no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Where, uh, yeah, I think that's where improvisation, you know, we can deconstruct whatever we want. It doesn't really matter. Uh, speaks to incongruence mm -hmm. and how those two relate to each other, either through smooth passage of pathways. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or a, or a hiccup and a discombobulation to eventually get there. But anyway, I think there's something in that. No, you, and you, you guys are, there's a, well, everything we talk about, so the analogy between acting and training and what we see and observe, good guy behavior, bad guy behavior, good actor behavior, bad actor behavior, right? You brought up a number of things. One, uh, so, so you know, mission focus, right? So I can be so mission focused on what I do that I, that I, I, I'm actually so into my role, right? That I, I don't, you know, think of anything around me. I don't look up and out, right? And, and so like in your sense, an, an actor could be doing the same thing and, and mess it up because they're too much focused on what they have to do and not the whole entire taking back and taking the whole scene. Um, 
which, you know, Greg, like you said, you wrote, the, you know, explanatory storyline. You said imaginary circumstances. To me, that's the same thing. That's same just the same exact uh, definition, just two different words to, to, to articulate it. And, you know, your, your denial is, is obviously huge in, in any of these situations. Right. And, and like we always say, you know, the, the faster you can just push right past that denial, accept your circumstances and move forward is is uh, the better you're going to be. Right. And, and that doesn't have to be in a chaotic situation. That could be anything. So I, I just talked about it on, on the, the previous pod we, we just recorded. But but, you know, I had, we had, obviously we have the, the whole pandemic going on. Everyone's on lockdown. I got the kid at home. We got this going on. And then all of a sudden at the end of the day, like, you know, four thirty eight five o'clock, you know, it, the power just goes out at our place. And so uh, my wife was actually making dinner at the time. And so she was had the stove on about to put these pieces of salmon she was going to cook up. She already had everything else, the vegetables and stuff done in the oven. And like, she's like, oh my God, the power's going out. What's going on? She's on her phone looking at the power company, trying to figure out if they have an update or what's going on and this, that, and the other thing. It's like, oh my God, you know, it was like catastrophic breakdown. I mean, I'm not, you know, kind of sensationalizing a little bit, but I didn't even think of anything. It literally just walked out on the patio, took the cover off the grill, fired it up, started cleaning it off. And she's like, well, what's, what's going on? I was like, oh, I'm just going to grill up those same. Like I'm hungry. We're still eating dinner. I'm not letting right. his power going we, out. We may be in a running gun battle here in a moment. Yeah. So I want to feel our energy. Yeah, exactly. So, but that was the thing. It was just like, you know, yeah. it was just it, it, her just being normal, natural reaction, frustrated because she's trying to cook a nice dinner during all this was going on. She was finishing up with work. She was doing this. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just come in and it's like, yeah, we just start doing this and let's go. I'm already busting open the bottle of wine and pouring glasses. And she's like, what? I was like, but this is not stopping. Dinner is absolutely happening. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, that goes back to, I kind of like it, uh, like we brought up it initially with the incongruence, right? So, you know, it's a, what's the difference between a bad guy criminal on the street and a bad actor that you see? Well, it's it. And that 30,000 view, nothing really. Yep. Right. So you have all these same issues that, <laughs> that can, that can come up. It's a crime sometimes when people on stage <clears throat> go on there and don't know their, what they're supposed to do. Right. No, but, but it, that, that behavior is, is no different. So uh, like you brought up an example with kids, I would, you know, say to anyone listening is like when you've seen that role or that person doing that and you went, ah, this man, this isn't something's not right here or it's not fitting or I it's, yep. I'm not buying this. Um, that's that incongruence and, and you pick up on it. Yeah, and I think it's, um, it, it's just that flash as we get older, we get more sophisticated with veiling. Uh, just to use your example before Brian, you said, you know, the seven year old goes, well, we're staying here for, you know, seven more minutes. And it's that initial flash of, I don't like this, or I'm uncomfortable, or this is not what I expected, that flash will be there. And then a veil, the sophistication of the veil, you know, will, will happen. But if you still train yourself to recognize that flash, that's all you need to see. The rest is just someone acting very badly or trying to cover up something or but I think those impulses will be there and it's whether you accept them rather than denying them and go, you're about to drop your, you're about to drop mm -hmm. your shit. You're about to lose all your lines. It's all going to fall out the window, but you're now trying to cover it up and you're expanding so much energy on the, on the denial part or faking it or, or fixing it. Yeah. Or fixing it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, we would call that a cue. So, and you know that, Scotty, you know what we do. And so when you see that veil and it's just a flash and it's just momentary, whether you're an HR person, whether you're involved in a, in a, a, a relationship, whether you're 
seeing it from the 7-Eleven clerk. Uh, those are key moments in determining and distinguishing ML versus MD-CoA. So what happens is as a kid with our baby amygdala and, and with our limbic system, you know, only sense an immediate danger in very dire circumstances, we uh, look to the community. We look to our parents. We look to the people and the other kids we're with to determine a level of comfort or a level of safety or a level of danger, right? And so behavior. What, yeah, 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 exactly. absolutely. Exactly, yep. behavior-based, right? So, so what happens is that when uh, uh, we see an incongruent signal and read it as just a momentary flash. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. We we have a uh, you know 22 day uh, uh, T3 and then a year that the people have to bird dog with an instructor to learn what, what they know just to get in front of an audience. And people go, why? Well, it's the instructor that's always more important than the material. And and a good actor can can take it was a dark and stormy night and make me believe it, right? But but you can't go back. Yeah, you had you had me there, Greg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? So so the the idea is that that an instructor. Uh, uh, math is a universal language, fear, uh, violence, universal languages. So you don't have to work hard to get the audience to understand that. They can connect the dots in their own brain. But you got to be, one, believable. Uh, two, you got to be likable. I want to relate to you or hate you. Like, like, like we use a common enemy sometimes where we come in and go, oh, those damn administrators and tightening up that budget and we don't get any training. Why? Because we need to get people on board. How is that different from using uh, de-escalation tactics so you don't have to kill somebody, let's say, in a street encounter, or having the people in the room believe that that pratfall you're about to do is real. I, I think there's more uh, work and rehearsal in creating something real than there is winging it. And I think that the, the, the one that does the rehearsal is always going to trump the, the one that tries to wing it and, and hip pocket it. Yeah, t totally. And even, um, even if stuff goes a bit haywire and you have to, to get back to that imagined circumstances and the narrative thing, because I think that's something we want to try and circle back to too about what's the narrative going on. Mm -hmm. e even when things start to go haywire, like cooking the salmon, the, the, the shorter the loop that you create in your head, which is why Uda works so well in, in your landscape, is what's the objective for the scene? Like it's going haywire. The first thing I ask is, what do we actually need to communicate in this scene? Have we lost, have we lost the ability to do that? No. Then let's just keep working our way towards the objective so that the scene or the moment is not lost. You know, but if a prop breaks that's in really reliant on the objective of the scene, then, okay, that determines the next course of action. Power's gone out. There's a gas in the barbecue. Objective soul, like we don't need to freak out at this point because we're still okay. going to cook the salmon because it's gas, it's not power. You know, barbecue is power. Okay, we go to <laughs> DEFCON 2 because <laughs> it's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which is why, you know, I used to think of multitask. It's just problem solving, you know, and you just prioritize and you problem solve. And that keeps you out of denial and it keeps you out of that fear state because you're just sticking to the to the plan, which is what do we want to communicate? Well, we want to cook dinner. <laughs> That's it. We don't want, we don't want to script. cook dinner in a power yeah. blackout. We don't want to cook dinner in a power. We just want to cook dinner. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't need to put the problem in the, in the objective. <laughs> No, I, that, that's, that's a, that's a good way to, uh, to kind of articulate it, right? That's like, a, it's like you just said, it, it's problem solving. We don't have to get any 
you know, uh, you don't have to go into any more detail than that. It's just, Hey, there's a problem. Solve it. The faster you solve the problem, the better you become at it. And, and that, that kind of exponentially increases, right? The more, and the more experience, the more training, the more file folders you have, the, the easier it is to solve those problems. And, and the more difficult problems you've solved for in the past, it makes it easier to, you know, yeah. when those things pop up just to immediately accept it. I mean, we were, uh, right before kind of everything here in the U S went on lockdown and, uh, Greg and I were still traveling and we were in Virginia and like, we we're like doing the, oh man, like we're still here for a couple of days. We don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot unsure. Are they going to, you know, are they going to shut down, uh, airlines? You know, what's, mm -hmm. what, what, what's, what's going to go on here? Uh, cause we were all the way in Virginia, which means we had to make it all the way back out, Greg to Colorado, me all the way to the West coast. So it would have been a, you know, kind of a pain in the ass if something like that had happened. But you know, people were coming up to us like, Hey, are you guys good? Like, what are you going to do you have? And we're like, yeah, we're fine. Like, like, well, what if they shut down this? But like, well, it's an, it's national car rental. So, so I'm going to find out just how national it is. <laughs> we're going right. to, you know, we're gonna, their it's word. not a problem until yeah. it's a problem. Yeah, I'm, exactly. <laughs> but there's like, all right, well, I'm going to drop Craig off in Colorado. I'm going to continue on to the West coast. I'm going to get here. I'm going to torch the car and call it stolen. And we're good. Like what, what do you, what's pop the, the problem? Plate. Remember yeah. to pop that like, plate. We're like, I might, as, <laughs> might, might hit a few, few, uh, uh, armed robberies on the way back just cause you know, why not? You know, it just, but, but we we're like, it was one of those, it's not a problem yet. So I'm not going to make it one. We have contingency plans. And, like, you know. and to circle back to the incongruent thing, it, you know, depending on the people that you're watching or viewing, their level of or their inability to deal with denial and fear means that the incongruence will, will, will either escalate or amp up because they're just not used to being in that scenario. And so those cues that you might be looking for in terms of exactly. incongruence will just start to escalate um, yeah. and manifest themselves in many different shapes or forms. I, I would say if you want to use this as a metaphor for survival, in uh, an urban or, or rural setting, uh, but more densely populated. If you think of life, if you're a listener, uh, 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 one, one of the people that tunes into the podcast, I want you to think of the next few days in your life. And, and then specifically when we come out of this funk with the pandemic, think of it as a script. So for example, I have to go shopping on Saturday morning at six o'clock. Now it's moved to seven uh, because they have old people time for shopping, right? So from seven o'clock to eight o'clock, I have to be at city market. So mentally, I want to envision a script for city market. Pulling into the parking lot, where do I park? Well, remember, Greg, circle the parking lot first to get the atmospherics and make sure that you back into a parking spot so you're combat park. Uh, then the next thing is make sure that when you're driving around, you look, listen, smell, feel, taste the environment to make sure you're not getting set up. And when you go in, look, why isn't that person carrying a, a, a basket to put their items in? Why aren't they pushing a cart? Why is that person more focused, for example, on the on the uh, cashier uh, than they are on something else. So if I categorize things of what I should expect in that script, because I know the script is city market, then what I've done is I've created an environment and I've created a, 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 that, that, that imaginary uh, storyline in my brain that I should see, and then there will be congruent signals. Now, all of a sudden, I see two people working uh, in Congress to try to you know, remove something that shouldn't be removed or something that's going to draw my attention because it's not scripted. So however you fit it into the analogy, it comes down to that baseline plus the anomaly that determines the decision. Now, 
a very well-versed criminal or copper, a very well-versed emergency services person or actor, it's going to roll with the changes. They're going to be right there with it, and you're not even going to see it. And then, you know, later in the liner notes, they're going to say, oh, by the way, Jim was lit on fire during this stunt, right? Or, or this guy died during the motorcycle stunt, but we'll never hear about that until much later. So those that can keep it together have the ability, I think, to conduct advanced critical thinking and problem solve and sense make in the moment so they can keep it moving forward. Yeah, and it's interesting. In, in both realities, like in the, the example you're using, you, you're generating a narrative for yourself. Um, and it's our duty as a performer, if something goes wrong, to not draw the attention to it for the audience. I'm imagining, you know, if you're there as a first responder and you, you, you're trying not to create an alarmist in the public's point of view, so you're going to be kind of trying to roll with it in a really calm way so you don't keep generating fear into other people rather than going, there's a guy over there, he's doing this, you know, and then everybody now all of a sudden you've got a whole environment in the public where people are just freaking out. I imagine Certainly. that kind of mindset is the same as you're trying to reduce fear for everybody in the room, including the audience. You don't want the audience to know there's anything going wrong. You don't want other cast members to worry and freak out. You don't want crew backstage to be freaking out thinking what's going on with this actor. They've forgotten their line. You know, you want, you want to create a sense of calm. So you, the way you move into that incongruence through, through highly developed improvisational skills creates that pathway or that, yeah, I think I think I've said it. No, yeah, and, the bridge, the ability no, yeah, to connect yeah. it to. I totally the, get it. Yeah, this is this is where it comes in those those improvisational skills. It's a tough guy. one that one. Easy for you to say. Jeez, that's like that's what he's on his fourth bourbon, Scotty. You got to give it's him a like break. Discombobulation. It's 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 twelve thirty. There's there's no more bourbon left in the house at this point. Um, Light so up the barbecue. Guitar, now now I know how people feel when we say human behavior pattern recognition and analysis. They're like, what? I was like, don't worry. That's the hardest thing you have to learn. But All no, you, you, you get into, you know, improvisational skill and, and what that means. So, you know, this, that's no different than what we, you know, that's, that's literally advanced critical thinking, right? That's what Absolutely. you're doing. Being able to read a situation and then project forward where it's going, come up with a, a number of likely uh, ways to react or continue it. Right. And, but that, goes into training and this is why I bring this up. It doesn't matter what it is. Like uh, we talked about martial arts, right? So all of us have been trained and studied in Aikido and you have certain movements that you have to learn and then certain reactions to certain movements and you get good. You practice them over and over again. You're like, okay, I got this. And then as soon as your instructor or sensei, whoever throws something different at you, you're like, uh, uh, what, you know, you, you, you haven't learned enough yet to then improvise, right? That, that takes more training and someone has to actually Absolutely. do that. So that's no different than, uh, you know, I mean, even, even teaching like Greg would be like, Hey, you're going to, uh, I want you to you're going to teach this section tomorrow when we, you know, this is back when I was going through a T3 training. And so, you know, I studied over and over again, each slide knew exactly where I was going to say, and I even practiced where I'm going to stand in the room and how I'm going to move around. All right, this is what he's teaching us. This is what I'm going to do. And then I get up there and I start going, he goes, okay, can you stop real quick? And I'm like, yeah, uh, everything good. Oh yeah, you're doing great. Um, I just want you to finish the rest of the section in a, 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 a John Madden voice. 
you know, football commentator here in the U.S. And you're just like, oh, I know, uh, I know okay. who he is. All right. Well, and you're just like, <laughs> go uh, Rams, go Rams. Yeah, there you go. So not Chicago. <laughs> ah, that's right, that's right. You're somehow a Rams fan. I forgot about that. I <laughs> uh, look, look, I'm a Bears fan. I know so you're still I'm, watching your reruns. I know. Look, I'm just beaten down. I can, you know, we. Just, anyway, Madden. I cut you but, off. Madden. But anyway, but he'd go, you know, hey, hey, do the rest in the Madden, and you're just like, okay, that immediately throws you for a loop. And now you have to do one. I don't know. I don't have a good, it's not like I had a good John Madden impression that that was my thing or something and could roll right into it, but I had to do my best to then go through. And it's like this hilarity, but then once you you almost came off like the Chris Farley in the band down by the river, we were dying, right? We were dying. So it's like, you know, the the lessons about the interface with the problem, not, not being hyper-focused on Madden. And it's absolutely. just what happens to your brain. Sorry, Brian. No, no, no. And that's what it is. It, it, that's a difference between a uh, number like this was kind of more a military thing, but it's just a, hey, that's a, don't, don't be JV, be varsity. And what that means was like, let's say, you know, anyone military, you do a long road march or a ruck or a run or whatever it is. And you'd have some people out there like, yeah, it's going to suck. You know, just put your head down and look at the boots in front of you and, and keep moving forward. And we would always be like, Hey, don't ever do that. That's junior varsity. Be varsity. Guess what? It's going to get tough. When it gets tough, start looking up and out, start thinking about what your heart rate is. Start thinking about, did you hydrate enough on that? You, you need to be, you need to be evaluating yourself. So don't just stay in the situation, take exactly. one step up above it, you know, so, so live in that moment, but, but realize, Hey, you have a job to do because you're training that, that young soldier or Marine or whoever like to, when things get tough, do what? Look down at the boots in front of you. Like that's not that's a that's absolutely a horrible wrong. training scar. But it's the same thing. So so I I think that that idea that concept is no different than what Greg threw at me or what you were just talking about. It's like hey, here's what you have to do. You have to accomplish this mission, right? You whatever that mission is, whatever that thing you have to deliver. But I'm gonna throw you throw you for a loop. So you better know it well enough and be able to do it, so that no matter what happens in that situation, you can adapt and overcome. And it just Getting to that, I, I think no matter what that skill is, you know, that, that's, yeah, and I think that's, that's where training comes in. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, this is a bad analogy, but you're better off getting knocked on your ass, you know, getting knocked over or floored or, or coming a cropper or falling over or falling in the shit so that you recognize the fork in the road that you took to go down that road which is no different to driving. You get those instinctual feelings and you go, I'm pretty sure that's a no through road. There's no sign there, but I just, I just know <laughs> through town planning and stuff that that's got to be a dead end road. And it's recognizing when you're in the moment, you know, to use that driving metaphor is going, you know, I've got two choices here. I can either do the scene this way or I can go this way when things are going badly. Yes. <laughs> and experience tells me, that choice is going to go nowhere. Yep. And this yep. one's going to open up a whole bunch of, but only because I've learned through getting knocked down and recognizing that road that I'll know, I'll recognize that, that nexus point. That, that's the cruncher there. Rather than blindly going past it and going, oh, the lesson was back there and not making it an all body experience of learning, which is why your, your analogy about look up and out is training the body on a on a visceral level mm-hmm. to recognize hydration, nervous system, digestion, mm-hmm. you know, all those things rather than just looking at the boots. Cause that's not, that's not an embodied no. learning experience. You know, <clears throat> it's an empty you. platitude. 
And you know what? It's something that somebody else heard somebody say, then it becomes urban lore. And then the next thing you know, it's written on a dojo wall somewhere. And I'll tell you this, I'd rather bleed on the mat than bleed on the streets any day. And so that real, you know, realistic rehearsal, you know, in the, in the dojo to me was everything. And, and I would, I would try to imbue that on our students, uh, uh, instructors and, and trainers that listen, uh, 50% of what you're up there doing, because all you are is on transmit, but 50% of what you're up there doing is reading the audience. Because if your message isn't being received by the audience, it's you that's failing. So you better rewind tape and you better get back into that moment and you better start working that room and make them believe that they're the only person in that auditorium watching you, that you're speaking directly to them and that you're their buddy, you're their guide, you're their uncle, you're their you know dad, whatever it has to be to get that message across because that delivery is so much more than, than, than the message. They're not going to be able to mm. utilize the message if they don't have it in that context, I feel. Yeah. So, so Scotty, you got, uh, so for those just listening, who can't see, I would check out the YouTube channel cause this will be up right away. But behind you, <laughs> you've got your buddy, your little statue. Little with, William Shakespeare. With, with, I, uh, Bill, little, little Bill Shakespeare, uh, uh, or, or Bill Shakespeare as some call him. Uh, <laughs> But he's got the mask on. You are on looking and the, very. You are looking. You could. You could pull it off, bro. <laughs> got it gone. Yeah. So, so you got. He's got the mask on and a roll of toilet paper, which I appreciate you adding all that stuff in there. That adds and so my much talismans to us. and your but, little talismans. Your but you little, have to explain the talisman because some people won't know what that means. You'll have to go back to Fear One episode. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's see that's, i did my, I did my have, homework Greg. we have one listener thank you <laughs> we have one listener i don't know scotty if you pick that up but we're 56th in canada now uh, amongst the the soybean uh farmers uh <laughs> that also are from belarus uh so i don't know how we got up there but it's pretty good so it's a it's a niche market no but it I, really I, is it really I, is we go I, door I, to door I did want to want to actually just get your perspective from from uh, how things are in Australia right now because of yeah. uh, we wrapped up our fear episodes and it, obviously we're still in the middle of this um, while we're recording this we're still in the middle of the the you know COVID kind of pandemic um, you know we see it from from our perspective here in the U.S. and how it's affecting things but one how is it down there by you guys do you have is has toilet paper replaced your currency like it has here in the U.S. Yeah it's you I you know I. I concur with everything you guys were talking about in fear one, like I, I episode 61 or whatever. I, I just, I am flabbergasted by the, by the response, you know, the toilet paper, pasta, and, and now the latest one is hardware stores. <clears throat> the reason why hard, you call them hardware stores? Like, um, they they're anticipating that people are going to get stuck into DIY while they're in lockdown. So now okay. hardware stores are, it's just like, really? <laughs> that makes uh, as much sense as the pasta. Yeah. I mean, but the, but yeah, totally, totally. But sort of the serious part of it, I guess is, yeah, where I'm in, in Sydney is basically our version of New York, which is, it's kind of the epicenter. Right. Um, we're not, I don't live in that suburb, but we're basically in, you know, lockdown of a shape or form. It's not called lockdown, but you, you can get a fine if you don't show reasonable cause of why you're outside. And th mm -hmm. those fines are, can be up to 11,000, which is probably 20,000 American. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, no, I mean, Fox. Do your homework, Fox. The, that's the, really the, funny. the other way. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, Sid- Sydney's got the highest cases and, and it's, it's all the young backpackers and, I mean, I'm slightly generalizing, but it's younger people who feel a little bit bulletproof who are still just yeah. ignoring the, the request of the government to just to stay indoors. You know? Yeah, that that's kind of happening here in the U.S. That happened with we actually surprisingly one of the younger group of of folks, the kids just still going to spring break and doing stuff and going well, whatever, I don't care. Like, and then actually surprisingly, the kind of like boomer generation, a little bit older, was the same way with it, where they were almost not take, even though they were in the kind of like that. Um, in a specific area of people most likely to be affected by it weren't taking it as seriously and yeah. weren't. And so you had this, everyone in the middle going like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, Oh, this is affected you. But you know, and then you get some at a certain age where like, look, man, I don't care. I'm going to live my life. Like I've been on this long. Why? It's like, yeah, but you're going to die from the flu. That's how you want to go out. Like, exactly. c- c- come on. Like, like that. Like you know, I, right I, I, I get it. You know, that's my old man's like, I had to talk to him. He's like, yeah, we had the their uh, family that neighbors over across the street. They've adopted a family as their, uh, um, children and grandchildren. Uh, Against their just, will, though, Chatty. <laughs> it's called an armed home invasion. It was actually a burglary. They're so disappointed with me and my brother that they've just adopted this family. They've gone on vacations together and stuff like that. And they're kind of like awkward when we're around. They're like, hey, like everything's cool, right? Like, uh, like I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys are uh, it, like, you know, it, they, they're now in the will, even though there there is no will. I, you know, I, I just spoiled that one for them. I was like, there is no will. It's going to be a half a bottle of gin. Uh, left standing after my old man's gone but but anyway like you know and and he goes you know uh we're not doing this we've had them over i'm like well she's she's a a nurse at a hospital like what are you doing like well yeah but that's not you know everything's i'm like no like you should that should be someone who's like hey sorry uh we'll we'll call you when this is over you know what i mean just just by pure chance i mean that's that's how these things can happen so it's kind of a weird um dynamic where yeah you have the the older generation and the younger generation going ah, it's not that big of a deal and then everyone in the middle is going like no i think we should probably worry about this <clears throat> it's interesting how those things kind of kind of play out but uh one of the other things uh i wanted to wanted to bring up with you is uh you've got your email which i finally sometimes they come into my inbox and sometimes they come to the to my junk folder so i didn't even know when greg was like hey have you been reading scott they're wonderful like, by the well, way i'm they're going so- brief and they're so he, to the point he sends it to me and i'm like oh you didn't include me on it like what the like that's that's kind of messed up and then i, mean, I look at there <laughs> yeah there which i've had with our uh our mass like our email list sometimes that happens to some people too so i i get it but but anyway it's all about combat circus i'll put a link up to the website and everything in the details but you you have these little like tidbits and I love you because you almost used the term just a couple minutes ago is a recent one you call it uh failing forward tips and, and just like you've talked about, Hey, like the last time you're on, Hey, I want to come on and, and share, you know, share my mistakes. Uh, you kind of go into this failing forward and you have these little bullet points and some of them we actually already talked about, but, um, the one in there that got me at the end, it, it was just so fitting for right now and everyone at home is that, uh, every day is a school day, right? Okay. So again, platitudes and people say, Hey, get up, make your bed every morning. Uh, all of those lessons have so much more meaning than we ever give it credit to. But, but that's why, you know, you, you saw me on social media, just posting a pic. Like when we went out that, that was a day that, you know, the power went out and it's like, all right, we're gonna take a long walk. And I, I took the little one out and we go by the lagoon and I could see like, all right, you see how the water comes in from the jetty and then it starts to roll over right here and see how it's different right there. 
that means the, the the depth is different in there and you could probably actually stand there and now see how the current moves along and like so it was just a lesson i was teaching her how to not you know there was water survival 101 you get what i'm saying but like from this other perspective that she hadn't seen before and and we always say like everything's a teachable moment mm. but I love right now. And that wouldn't have happened if, if you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so that whole every day is a school day. Um, that's for everyone, right? You know, mm. um, you, you, every moment can be a teachable moment, especially now if you got the kids at home and what you're doing, that's what our, our, you know, Greg and I were talking about too in this last one was that, you know, you're teaching your kids, whether you yep. are taking an active role of that or you think you're not doing anything at all, you're teaching you're them, teaching. right? That, that mimicry is, is everything. So, so, uh, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about what you do with the, with your, just the, the, the blog posts and the email stuff that you sent out. Cause you were, your kind of tagline, so to speak, or whatever for, for combat circus is that humility, humor, and hope, which is a great message. And you have these little tidbits that are great. So what's your kind of, what's your, what's your goal with that or, or putting that stuff out there? Or well, what's your funny, I, I've always liked three. Three is a really interesting number and it, it's touted a lot, you know, comedy goes in threes. Yep. But because I'm curious, I've always been a little bit, okay, but why? Why is what makes three? And what I've, which is why I had the three, humility, humor, and hope. And I've got two more now since talking to you guys. You made <laughs> me dig in deeper and now, I'm, anyway, I'll get back to that in a second. But <laughs> my my instinct as to why I think three works comedically, rhythmically, is that something happens. We usually polarize that when we need to correct something and then the pendulum swings. That's number two. And then we auto-correct and the pendulum comes back to gravity. One, two, three. And I feel like that's just a innate body rhythm thing. We do something, we overcorrect. Let me fix it up. One, two, three. And that's what I've tried to boil. That's, that's what I've come to think, which is why one of those three things. But now I've started to think <laughs> for the humility, humor, and hope thing is I actually feel like healing and, hu healing and humanity needs to be in there as a result of what we're going through at the moment. And I feel like healing happens before hope. And humanity, I think, happens after humor in terms of the fire. You know, if I was to add two more H's in there. <laughs> oh, it, it makes all the sense in the world, Scotty. I, I mean, if anybody has watched any, read anything that you've written, watched any of the skits that you do, uh, listen to any of the podcasts, what you just said, they're going, huh, okay, I get it. Uh, uh, some of the other people would be scratching their bean, but that totally makes sense. Well, to, to go through them, just to sort of, I, I was, again, my therapist, my therapist would say, you need to talk about yourself. <laughs> and so with my wife, you're allowed to talk about yourself. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, we need to start from a place of humility, put everything down. Um, we can then use humor to rebuild ourselves. And then there's some kind of hope. And I guess I'm just saying that I think hum there's room for humanity and healing in there and to give ourselves time to, to heal or to heal others. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, the kind of work I'm trying to generate and do is just trying to address those five simple things and just using, you know, humour as a, as, a, as a conduit or a, or a social massaging thing to kind of take people, you know, you can't make them drink, but you can certainly kind of guide them there. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a wonderful binding agent. It's mm. like a recipe that needs another ingredient to hold all of them together. And, and so that becomes a binding agent for a message that that's now a bite-sized chunk that I can that I can eat mm. fast and that I can spend the rest of my life trying to live up yeah. to. Yeah, that, and that's that's always my recommendation. You've got it down to three. It's always keep it at three because each one of those you could no no be seriously because each one of those things you could uh, uh, you could deep dive right um, in the definition. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, and and meaning yeah, you can because you can go because because what do we do? I mean, this is all of us, especially anyone in in training or or, or who's studied a lot. You know, you start going, oh man, I got these great ideas, and I want to make these concepts, and then you're like, oh man, that's really good. Hey, let me add a little bit more here, uh-huh. a little bit more here. And and what you got to end up doing is you go through that cycle, and then you finally get to the end, and you go, no, Just it's salt not a, and pepper. It's not yeah, Just exactly. Salt and pepper. Take it from a crackhead. <laughs> exactly. We want to make it smaller, smaller. And, we and take uh, that cocaine hydrochloride and make it more condensed. And there's there's so many out there that you can go on. That's why I even said earlier when it said, you know, hey, you know, make your bed. Okay, well, yeah, that's a literal thing to make your bed and keep room. But what does that mean? That's a life lesson that you have to <laughs> clean your room first if you're going to yeah. go out into the world and do anything and tell anyone else how to live their life. What did you do inside of yours? And there's another one that I love. Uh, I didn't even have to re- <laughs> didn't even read the book because like once I heard the quote is a is a well known uh, uh, seal out here in San Diego, uh, Jocko, and he has his leadership stuff is uh, it's a very simple. It's discipline equals freedom. When I heard that, I just slapped myself in the forehead. I went, that makes so much sense to me. Like, I'm like, people are like, oh, did you read the book? It's like, don't need to. I got it, which I don't, but, but meaning right. that's that one tagline you can write a whole book about, right? So, so that's like when we stuff and we send out a photo or a video and we talk about human behavior stuff and people are like, well, you know, what about this on a photo? And I go, look, I can take this one photo and I can teach you and it'll take me 22 days to get through material. Yeah, on this one and like, well, yeah, because one I'm photo. gonna I'm gonna pull this out and then that's gonna lead us down this path that's gonna take three days and then I'm gonna come back to here to this next thing. That's gonna lead us down a path that's gonna circle back. And so so it's always about trying to get something down to that 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 base, that droplet, you know, that we Greg and I was talking about. How do I put it on a drop on your tongue and you go, Oh, I got it. And and that's the whole training changes behavior. Again, that that's three words, very simple statement, but we talk about that for an over an hour, you know, every single week at a minimum, you know, on this podcast, right? That's what we're reiterating uh, it just in a different way about how training changes behavior. That's what we've just been discussing this entire time we've been on the call. Right. And, and so yeah, I it's always, a great example of doorways, you know, like the doors, like it's, it's just a doorway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah it could but be just I, a thing I think, on the door, but there's a whole attic exactly. up there. <laughs> it, it, once, that, once that door opens, it's just an amazing mm. amount of stuff. You know, the, mm. the, the, the people that I've seen do what we do wrong, uh, 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 like, like I'm not going to bash the plagiarists at steal and do a book on their own and call it something that it's not. But the one thing that they made a mistake on is they tried to uh, explicate. They tried to profoundly open up doors and say where it came from. Look, do your homework. You don't need me to spend valuable class time, valuable expert uh, model training, showing you where all of this came from. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't have to go back to when I was 13 and skin my knee to show you how not to do that. And so the idea is to take this constellation of all of this amazing stuff and distill it down to its core elementals. Because once you master that, we call that the gold standard. You know, the ring and that one uh, uh, PowerPoint slide that we have that all the chains are linked to. Once you understand that, 
you can build anything. It's like chemistry. It's like physics. Once you understand the core, it's, it's, it's uh, psychology and, and sociology. Once you understand the core principle, you can learn for the rest of your life just on that one bite, on that one sandwich that, that's made up of that core. So Yeah, uh, it reminds stuff. me of a show. Uh, there's an impro show that I do. I haven't done it for a while just because of certain circumstances, but I've, I've probably done over 10 of them where I just have a guest um, and I, I, I contact the actor and I say, look, I'm going to do a show. It's just called The Two of Us. Um, I don't get any stimuli from the audience. I just welcome the audience in. They come in and I say, oh, this is, this is my guest, Brian. He's in town. He's, he's doing his little shtick. He's doing his show over there at the so-and-so theatre. And uh, the lights are going to go down. And when the lights come up, we're going to make a one-act play. A one-act play goes for like 50 minutes, maybe. Um, and then the lights will go down and you'll get a show. And, of course, when I contact the actors to, to, to say this, they're like, yeah, but what do we do? <laughs> right, okay, right. well, we're gonna we're gonna build a play. Right we don't in know front what of everyone. Doing. Yeah, I know. We, we I know we don't know what we're doing. We're just gonna build a play, and then I'll, I'll get into the actor in a minute. And then usually after the show, the audience are like, "But surely you you, you got together and rehearsed that." And they can't. They they're going through this thing of denial, going, "But it was a whole play. You did a whole play," and it's just picking up what you're saying. All I say to the actor is, "We know the structure of theatre." There's act one, there's act two, there's act three. You've got so many things going for you structurally that you don't need to worry about it. Precisely. Act one is just let ideas come out. Act two is about cherry picking the ideas from act one. We need some conflict at the beginning and then we just slide into act three and it's all done. And then all of a sudden the 50 minutes just goes by, you know, like that. Because if you keep it simple, act one, act two, like they'll like, but we can do this and we can prepare this. And, we, and it's like, no, just, just start talking. Yep. You know the structure. Just stick to the structure and stuff will happen. And if we're really listening to what's going on, It'll feeling. roll. It'll roll out. Feeling. Yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. Feeling. It, yeah. I, I totally believe that. You know, Brian, we use that term all all the time. Uh, what's on your mind uh, to to break into character and find out what's going on with a a, a, a perhaps a damaged human. Um, I I also use what's on your heart when I already know it's a damaged yeah, right. human to feel what they're feeling. And, and Brian's been with me long enough. I, I never, uh, and to get them to think? articulate it too. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. I yep. never ask a person what do you think. I always ask them what do you feel. And, and uh, at first, it seems queer. People don't understand that. Then they go, oh, I get what's going on. And that's what you're describing, Scotty. If you're in the moment, then you can feel what's naturally next. And you would know what would be incongruent. You would know a path that's going to lead to a dead end, and you're going to be paddle digging your way out of it. So you can avoid those, those landmines, those traps. And that's a, a, another form of psychological de-escalation. You're, you're, you're pushing forward with this great story and, and adding all these complexities, but it doesn't have to be part of that origin story. It doesn't have to be part of that molecule mm. that starts everything. Yeah. Well, it, and, and that's not too different than a typical conversation. I mean, you're just having a conversation with someone. That's why a lot of people are like, well, we'll just have a conversation. But, but if you put like the microphone and the lights or recording equipment, all of a sudden yep. that's unnatural to them. I mean, you look at the evolution of just us when we were on here talking from the first time we tried to do it and just, I just said, Hey, look, we're just going to do it. It's not going to be great. We're just going to get it out there. We're going to figure it out as we go along. And now it wasn't great. <laughs> no, but, but now the conversation is, is better because you know, I, one, I'm used to hearing the sound of my own voice, which you hate when you are first hearing it. Right. You're like, oh, that's what I sound like, you know, when you're listening back to episodes. And then 
uh, you once you, yeah, once you get past that, you go, oh, okay, get past <clears> that. <throat> that doesn't matter. And then, you know, there's little things. So, so, um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is this for everyone listening in that commerce, you know, when you're having that conversation, uh, and you're trying to, you know, you, you're thinking if you're actively engaged in that you're thinking about their response and your response and what's going on. Exactly. And, and you know, you get into, you know, theory of the mind of, you know, I know what you're thinking and you know that I know what you're thinking and that goes up however many <laughs> levels people can get into that. But, but it's, it's, it's <clears throat> true. And you start at, at that and that helps you then you have to then take all of these lessons learned, everything that we're talking about, but apply that then to everything in your life or everything that you read. And, right, and but the most important part, Brian, of that, I, I and don't just a momentary interruption, is listening. You have yeah, to yeah. listen to the audience. You have to listen to the person talking. You have to listen to your partner because if you don't do that, then you're you're well, already is, building on shaky ground. And this is why I, I the and the reason why I kind of brought that up is there's a hilarious uh, um, Twitter account that I follow called "Didn't Happen of the Year Awards." And so when people post these like crappy, horrible <laughs> BS stories where they're like virtue signaling, telling you, oh, my child told me this today in the grocery store. Why isn't the whole world like that? He's six. He, and it's like, and, and they always repost it like, yeah, that didn't happen. You made that up. And, and they're hilarious because you can read those stories and go, oh, this is complete BS. This person is making up this story. This did not actually happen to them once you understand. And that's so different than just having a conversation. So that's why I always bring it up to like, because people always want to know with the human behavior stuff. Well, how do I know if someone's lying to me? Uh, how yep. can I tell if someone's, uh, you know, doing something wrong? How can I do it? It's like, well, you just have to get good at listening and then going, where's this likely headed? Where should it be headed? Given if the everything script. you're, you're yeah. exactly right. And that's the explanatory storyline. It goes back to your script, right? That, that, that you, that you would follow, but, but do you ever just follow a script word for word, line for line, note for note? No, like that's not how a live performance especially works, right? Like I was like, same thing, I play guitar, but like, you know, you practice a song, but then if you're performing that, like, is it going to be a little different? Yeah. You know, are you going to play different notes if you're doing a guitar solo or something? Yeah, it's, it's, it's no different. That, that, that same uh, pattern emerges in whether it's a conversation or it's someone trying to, someone trying to pull one over on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're, if you're watching an art yes. film, <clears throat> if, if you're watching uh, Eyes Wide Shut, if, if you're watching... Uh, 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 an art film like that where the director has control over every aspect of the film and sticks to the script and says, this is the lane and you're going to be in this lane. That's like uh, uh, in a, a painting. That's like pointillism. Uh, it, everything has to hinge on all of these other things. The problem with is it can be precariously horrible when it comes out because what's happened is you've created this channel and things want to come out. Things want to get exciting and move and, and scare you. You know, that's, that's why we're still attracted to roller coasters and, and skydiving, you know, but the, but the idea is that the incongruent signals, even in that highly scripted environment will stick out because they will be forced and stressed. And any single time that something comes too easily, you know, uh, uh, Brian, what did you do three months ago on a Tuesday on the seventh of whatever? How the hell do I know? I don't know what I did yesterday, most likely. You know, I got to check with you. So the idea is that those are warning signals that our environment sends us. And it's the same thing that, you know, during this uh, uh, time period right now in a pandemic, 
there are certain criminals that are doing very well for themselves because they understand how to read that fear. They understand how to read the atmosphere. And what they're going to do is knock on your door and say, hey, we're here to give the test. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And, and this is no different than exploiting somebody with the uh, a sweepstakes win or the driveway paving or whatever other scam that they're going to do. So we have to be constantly mindful and vigilant to outthink those potential adversaries. And I think yeah, that's it's a really delicate time. It's a delicate time for society. Like, you know, projecting forward, worst case scenario, people are going to be cooped up. Domestic violence could go through the roof, you know, people, Absolutely. mental health stuff. It's a really tough time. And I think more than ever, we really need to be really listening to each other and reaching out to friends, just, you know, to check in with people. How you doing? You know, do you need a breather? <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough well, time in society. Harper probably need a breather because uh, Marion keeps telling all our viewers and listeners that he's the, now a second grade teacher. But I honestly think that she's teaching him more than he's teaching her almost yeah. every day. Isn't that true? Yeah, she's definitely faster at multiplication than I am, which scares me. <laughs> which is <just laughs> punching. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly. that's what she exactly. She yep. she comes. She's go. We got everything set up, and it's down at our my old desk. And there's stuff like old you know pens, pencils, little business cards of stuff that I used to have or whatever that's over there. And she's like, what's this? I was like, that's a lock picking set. She's like, what's a lock picking set? I was like, you can open any door uh, in the city. And she's just like, can you show me? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, five minutes later, I'm like, oh wait a minute, where am I going with this? Yeah, yeah. And it, we, we talk about that. That you talk about entropy and the de-evolution. Last week, Monday morning, I'm set. We, I already went over with her. We had the board written up and everything. She was all into it. Like, yeah, this is so cool. Like, I'm learning from home. You know, you're going to be my teacher. We go through, have a great day. Tuesday, another great day. We're up. We're PTing in the morning. She's eating a good breakfast. Like, we're getting all this stuff done. She's nailing multiplication. We're already going to start division, which they weren't even supposed to start yet. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're killing it. Wednesday, okay, Wednesday's a little rough, but I get it. You know, I think it's the week's going on. And Thursday was just a fight all day long, just a fight. <laughs> Friday was just like, you know what? I'm done. You just sit in your room, and build yeah. forts all day long. It was free range time. And now you hate each other. And yeah. for the next and here's, now, the, here's the lock picking kit. See you later, kid. Yeah, exactly. Go figure it out on your own. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's just absolutely hilarious how that works. It ebbs and flows. And then it's like, all right, Monday I had to start over. And they're like, all right, let's yeah. try and get some stuff done. Let's be a little bit more reasonable with what I expect out of the day on my yeah. end. You know what I mean? Because, of course, you know, we, I'm, I'm going to plan it out. Well, guess what? Every minute of your day is going to be accounted for. Like, here's a break. Here's how long it is. This is what we do next. It's boom, boom, boom. Structure, structure, right? And then I gave, like, I gave, I gave my daughter a code word, which is I'm just learning, Dad. So if I start losing it, that's it. That's a great code word, by the way. Yesterday yeah. she's she said it like five times. I'm just learning, Dad, and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm definitely starting to yell now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's, that's when I was teaching uh, sociology at Western, uh, the kids made up uh, moral outrage meters. And uh, there were paddles that had red or green on the back. And so generally, while I was, you know, doing whatever I was doing up on, on my stage as the pulpit as the teacher, they would hold up the green paddles if they were for something or the red paddles if I was going long. And so yeah. I loved that because we had entropy at play even in the classroom. Even, it's like, yeah, we're there. Time. We're with you. Let's go. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, we wear people out sometimes. Our yeah. enthusiasm level, while fun and interesting, can run a little long in the tooth sometimes. It's interesting, just going back uh, briefly, if we've got time, to the observation about asking people how they feel. Yes. So generally, if I'm in a scenario where I'm sharing mistakes and, you know, I'll, you know, I'll kind of do a bit of a roll, roll call or just check in that where we all are, 
is I usually kind of label the feeling that I'm feeling in the community, you know, like something feels off. Do you guys feel that? Like, can you feel, can you feel? And then once I start drawing their attention to it, cause they're usually a little bit younger <laughs> as in 20 something. Um, then they start really going, yeah, yeah, I, I feel a bit off or, you know, and then we just need to label it and get, get it out so that we're not spending 20 minutes being awkwardly trying to get to the content. Once yep. we get the elephant out of the room, then we just kick him out or her out or they, and we just kind of get on, you know, get on with it. Um, so it's just interesting talking about how you feel. I think how is it different just acknowledging a, that. How is it different being a martial arts instructor and you're out there and you're showing like a, a spinning hook or something. And uh, then you're having the student uh, mimic the behavior and you're going around and making minor uh, changes, expert model, then, you know, showing what right looks like and then letting them have a try. And then two or three uh, uh, times into the, the practice, you stop for a minute and go, how does that feel? And, and they look and they go, well, I, I feel unbalanced. Well, that's because you are. Now let's go back to that point. You see what I'm saying? So it gives me a baseline from which to grow. So that person understands that if it feels wrong, it likely is. If it feels mm. imbalanced. So it's the same thing when you're in a conversation with somebody trying to determine whether they're giving you deception clues. If it feels like it's forced, if it feels wrong, and you can use that laser uh, flashlight, you can use that to judge how you're doing in the moment, in the conversation by looking at your audience. Yeah, and that's when I get into the doing. difference. Sorry, Greg. And that's no, where no, I get please. into the difference between impulse and instinct and really understanding the difference between those two. You, you know, your, your, body's, your body is firing impulses all the time. Yep. But you're also getting instincts on stuff. So if something doesn't feel safe, if you have an instinctual feeling, respond to your impulse, which is probably just get out of there, back away, give yourself the gift of time and distance to kind Precisely. of focus on Precisely. that. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Don't, and, and don't and confuse the two, you know. Your Sorry. brain is uniquely qualified to send out electric and chemical signals to warn you of what they've historically seen in the past that brought a ship up on the rocks. You're exactly right. So why wouldn't we want to use those self-same, uh, 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 you know, uh, neurochemical uh, transmitters in our everyday life? Why wouldn't we want to use that in every relationship? And, yeah, you know, every and there's, a, there's a sensing, I mean, it's an old... Um, martial arts thing but i use it in an acting combative scenario where uh you know you've got your eyes closed and you're trying to sense whether they're whether they're reaching towards your left or to your right i probably haven't explained that for the listeners but essentially what the what the drill is doing is the person who is the feeder for the exercise who's just reaching out towards the person with their eyes closed they only act when they have an impulse to do it they're only allowed to act and then the person who is receiving it they have to respond with instinct when they feel danger so that they're really separating that learning of what is an impulse and what is an instinct and, and really feeling in their body the difference between when an impulse comes up versus when you feel an instinctual, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel safe. Or, you know. yep. Yep. Anyway, that's using your EQ, you know, that's yeah. using your EQ all day, right? And recognizing when, and, and, and it, to bring it completely full circle, that's just about recognizing when something's incongruent, you know, certainly mm -hmm. here's exactly right. with their eyes closed, you know. Well, that goes, uh, I mean, I, I wrote down impulse versus instinct. That's a, that's a good one that I'm going to bang my head off the wall for a while because yep. Yep. all of my impulses and instincts have been generally wrong for most of my life. 
Yeah, they're always they're always been right about me, Marin. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I don't like this guy. Something's wrong with this guy. I should be working with this guy. But the rest and of bronze ended up in a white now. padded room. Yeah, Look exactly. At Look at him. I, I am, I'm in that room. They allow me this uh, internet uh, Scotty, uh, for two hours, so a day. Scotty, so. when he stands up, that whole set moves with him. <laughs> so you know, so he's out on the street now. That's why you hear all that noise in the background. Yeah. No, I, I I paid extra for for the zoom <laughs> the zoom background. This is just a digital background. There's exactly. nothing behind me. I just made for it sure. look. It made it look. Enough. I just no, saw it wiggle <laughs> when you touched it. One one of the uh, I wanted to hit up uh, uh, real quick too because uh, we got an email about a month ago from from someone you know. I don't want to mess his name up, but it's Bill either Hulings or Hulings. Oh yeah. Yeah, so he hit us up about a month ago and said, hey, like, just heard the podcast that you did with Scotty, because we did that back in, like, January, I think it was released. Yeah, right. Um, really? And he, yeah, he was like, hey, you know, uh, loved it. You know, had this whole other background that he went into, because uh, he, he commented on, what was it when Greg, some, something went in there, and you were trying to say, uh, uh, like, Charlie Instead of saying Charlie, Charlie Chaplin and Charlie Chaplin, Chan, because we were I talking about Charlie Chan, uh, yeah, yeah, because we were talking about Jackie to, Chan. I was trying to read the without my that glasses. That was hilarious. But yeah, anyway. but 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 at least he actually backed you up on that. He's like, no, no, you know, Jackie Chan is an amazing clown. Like he's really good at you know. Like exactly. so, I was like, yeah, but don't, don't no, don't don't, don't let the fat guy fall. Don't, don't, don't let him <laughs> let him go. Yep. But but he he really appreciates. So I I don't know. I just wanted to make sure we we at least mentioned him in this episode because he brought yeah, up Bill. A great story with Bill when I way back when I first met him, the, that workshop that I used to curate in Canada, I was backstage. We used to do like a show at the end of the workshop and we'd invite the public in from the Banff community and stuff like that. And a famous story about Bill is he was in the middle of a broadsword fight. So it's a big double-handed broadsword. Yeah. You know, it's about two Ks of steel and he's doing this sort of fight slash dance. So it's a highly choreographed piece and the broadsword flips out of his hands it flips, it lands on the pommel, which is the, the, the brass end of the thing, bounces back up into his hand and doesn't miss a beat and keeps on going. And it's a bit that's of a amazing story. That's when you know to Shut drop up. the mic. That's the drop the mic moment. And you say that you've this done it. This was before drop the mic. This was oh, in the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> but it's a famous story of Bill. I was backstage. That's a great I, I saw story. It yeah. That's absolutely incredible. I would have literally, I would have finished that and got, I would just walked out of the room at that point. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I was, <laughs> you, you know, Will Atkinson, right, Brian? Yeah. Will Atkinson was on the ranch long before we were friends in, in the different uh, genre of, of uh, uh, world uh, espionage and crap that we did. Uh, so we're down at the barn on the ranch. And so a friend of Williams made a knife out of a leaf spring on a car. Uh, for some reason, a survival knife. And it was just craftsmanship was amazing. Handle was amazing. So William was excited, uh, comes up, I'm doing something else at the barn. And he shows it to me. And I go, yeah, that's amazing. You know how you can tell the weight? And I turned and threw it just as hard as I could at the barn. And it sunk in three or four inches in a perfect spiral. <laughs> I mean, it just went into the thing. To this day, I've never told Atkinson, teacher Atkinson, that it was all shite. It was a complete accident. There's no way. I was just being a dick, throwing it away, and it stuck perfectly. I was with William years later, and he was telling, hey, this guy's a real thing. You should see him throw a knife. <laughs> the, the, complete horseshit. Same exact happened. Remember when I uh, – um, at, at Penn, you remember uh, uh, Gunny, who worked uh, worked with me up at the, at the IIT, and, you know, we had – 
started working together for a while and he's like, Hey, why don't you come out with me and the guys? We go to this pub, you know, throw some darts and just drink some beers. I'm like, yeah, he's like kind of older than you crew, but whatever. It's pretty chill. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. He's like, so we're sitting there and we're throwing back beers and these are guys that like bring in their own darts, right? So they, they wow. have their own yeah, stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're into it. And, uh, he's like, well, he's like, we'll, we'll play on team against those guys. We'll just do a game of cricket or something. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like, you, he's like, you throw darts much. I was like, no, it's, 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 it's been a while. He's like, well, here, why don't you go warm up? So I take his darts and I walk right over there. I go bullseye, 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 three in a row. And I just turned, he goes, they're all standing there just wide-eyed, just like, I was like, like, oh, I thought you said you hadn't played in a while. I go, yeah, you know, it's like the 2007 World Championships. I walked away and said, <laughs> I'm never playing again, but, you know, I guess I'll throw here with you guys. And I went up and ordered another pint, and they were like, oh, my God. And then I, t- I had to turn to my buddy and be like, I have no idea what just happened there. But uh, this is going to get significantly worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just died laughing. You just can never play darts again. <laughs> uh, Bill can never use a broadsword ever for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, the mistake. But I tried to own it. And then sure enough, you know, the, it, it, as the, you know, I, I have that level. I, I guess it would be a follow, I, I don't know, a U-shape or parabolic curve, whatever you want it is. But, but as the alcohol level goes up, initially I get better at darts. And then it, there's a steep drop off after that. Then I'm just putting them in the wall. And I just had to turn to him like, I'm done. He's like, baby. He's like, yeah, you're, 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 why don't you just go hang out and just drink beer? I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so true. Same thing. I just wanted to walk away. Oh my God. Well, man, uh, you know, we, we, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, uh, this we, we got to do this more often, buddy. We got to yeah, come back. Like, like, you know, there, we, again, it's one of those that always kind of just flies right by and I never know how long we've actually been talking before. And I always just want right. to get on and, and, and go over stuff. Cause we could go, we could go down the rabbit hole with another, Oh, that and your, your <laughs> the video of you and your kids and you're just throwing them on the we ground. Honestly, guy, we got to put that on the site because <laughs> anybody else that's ever worked out in the moment and, and you're, you're, you're moving and the kids don't even know yeah. how much they're getting out of the drill. And yeah. it's so wonderful and it's so spontaneous and beautiful. Yeah, she, it was, she loves anybody. it. She, every day she's like, can we go, can we go do the throw down thing? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's great. So awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's yeah thanks. What... Uh, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, ha- happily come back and I'll bring uh, Will back. Yeah. And, uh, we'll a, we, we just need to get a rough for you, um, Brian. I okay. You, yeah. You could definitely well, pull off. Depending a snapshot on, and and uh, putting it over under the mask, we'll all know who it is. D- d- depending on how long this uh, this this quarantine and this lockdown lasts, we'll see how how long the beard and everything gets. My wife hates it already because she's like, if you're gonna have the long hair, then you got to keep the beard and everything else short because otherwise it's just way too much hair. And now it's already starting to grow, and I'm like, she's gonna just be like, get the hell, Scotty. Out. I'm getting a top knot. I want to look like a total douchebag at the end of this. Oh my god, I'm gonna get a top knot. Yeah, just frame, I'm, just frame I'm already a douchebag. I just want to look. Yeah, at, you just want to look. I want to make sure want, everyone knows. There, even there's three, le- three listeners that don't understand that I am a douchebag. I want them to know. <laughs> well, well, then the other thing was I thought about just doing the quarantine mustache, like shave the beard off and just keep growing the mustache. But I, I don't, I don't know. It will. That could look worse. I know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see how how long this goes. <laughs> Well, Scotty, we, we appreciate you having uh, uh, coming too easy, on, guys. I mean, uh, I love uh, coming on and talking and sharing the stories and, and yeah. uh, hearing it from your perspective is is cool. Um, you know, I I'll give you a little intro at the beginning, but for everyone listening, you know what what you do has so much relation. And and Scotty, you took the um, 
uh, different kind of human behavior domains that Greg came up with specifically back for Combat Hunter and we've carried forward for d different programs, all the human behavior domains and, and usually broke it down in terms of acting and, and being on stage and knowing your environment and reading the audience. And to us, again, we were like, that's perfect. It was so cool because we I mean, so you added it all like yeah well but yes yeah. it just works for anything um doesn't just have to be about hey this one specific topic where it's you know for police or law enforcement or something like no this is humans anything that mm. you're interacting with a human so i appreciate you reaching out and doing all that stuff we we love no that on, man this is like the uh you know how like uh like comedians or actors or whoever have like or let's use comedians so comedians have like uh, uh, the other comedians that they love that that really aren't like no one really knows that much of or whatever like that's how I feel like when you're on here or we're talking to you we're like oh we like this where people are like yeah man like uh bring what what happened to the other guy you had I was like no no like we like having this stuff on exactly conversation a guilty pleasure right yeah it's it's cool it's like the the inside of uh, uh where 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 we love having these conversations so I appreciate like it. stuff guys so I don't know Greg you have anything else to to add before we yeah, good. Uh, here's here's the challenge, Scotty. Okay. Uh, we have to have William Shakespeare continue to evolve. Just taking notes. Uh, so oh, each time guy. that we have that, yeah. And then, uh, Marin, uh, pick me up a couple more yellow pads every time Scotty's on the show, for the love of God. <laughs> I, I, I've never taken so many notes. Apparently, Greg can't get yellow pads in Gunnison, Colorado, so I'm going to start I a can't. racket up there of charging like There's 10 People are using it for yellow. toilet paper. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And apparently mule deer pelt. Uh, so that, that oh, really gets you quite socks. Yes. <laughs> One sock. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. And on that note, everyone. Thanks guys. Yeah, we appreciate it, man. Everyone don't forget that uh, training changes behavior. Thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in, folks. If you would like some more information about what we talked about today, you can head to the Left of Greg Patreon site where we've added some more information about what we discussed as well as some examples of how you can practically apply some of the lessons learned. Please remember to tell your friends about the show and follow us on Facebook at HBPRA. Thanks again and be safe.